Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Bet on Chicago. My name is Joey Christopoulos. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. And look, it's back. It's better than ever. And that's because the new web interface brings you for the rest of the NBA season more odds, props, and lines than ever before because BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. So head to the new website or go on your mobile device right now and sign up today. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code BELIEVE50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0 to receive that bonus. Basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC, right down to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. And that's because BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for coming into the pod. So excited to have this guest on, Chicago sports fan. Uh, I've been able to guest a little bit on what uh, of the Sports Map Radio very recently, and he is the host of the Sports Map Radio program. His name is Kevin Zipak. Hello, Kevin. How are you? What's going on, man? Doing all right. How are things? Things are okay. Uh, you know, the Bulls are up. The Bears are down. Baseball right. is gone. Hockey, who cares? But before Precisely, we get into yes. all that, Kevin, uh, <laughs> give the listeners a little bit of background of uh, did you grow up in Chicago? You know, take us from uh, the teat to the mean streets of being a Chicago sports fan. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, I grew up uh, outside of Chicago in northwest Indiana, actually, in a town called Cherville. Oh, yeah. Which uh, are you familiar? Very familiar. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, about 30 miles ish outside of the city, um, you know, you say Indiana and people, you know, look at you like you're a farmer or something like that. But it's still like the suburbs, even though it's not Illinois, you know what I mean? So, uh, I mean, yeah, we, we would be able to get the White, White Sox games from uh, my parents' house in, you know, 25 minutes. So it was, it very much felt like we were in the Chicago suburbs, despite what some people may think. Uh, but yeah, I grew up there, eventually moved to the city proper, um, went to Columbia College, Chicago, did, um, you know, the radio broadcasting program there. Got an internship at uh, 670 to score, uh, of course, in, in Chicago, the uh, which is not was at the time it was the White Sox flagship. Now, currently, they have the Cubs and the Bulls, but got an internship, got hired uh, straight out of, out of college when I graduated, worked there for eight years ish. And now I am down in Houston hosting uh, the show every weeknight on Sports Map Radio from. 5 to 7 p.m. Central Time. And that brings us to this moment right here. In the, in Long the, story short. In yeah. the present time. Uh, I don't want to I don't want to uh, guess your age because, of course, that's rude among men. Uh, we don't do that to each other. But, sure. But growing up, uh, Bulls Pacers, was that a difficult? Uh, it feels like you were on uh, some enemy territory lines there. Was it easy to go with Jordan on that one? And while your neighbors rooted for the Pacers, how did that work? Yeah, uh, well, like I said, because, you know, we were just about 30, 35 miles outside of the city. So we still, you know, all of our local TV networks were from Chicago. So we got all the Bulls games and all of the Chicago coverage. Like we were, uh, you know, a half hour, 45 minutes from the, the city of Chicago, whereas we were like two and a half, three hours from Indianapolis. So, yeah, it made it a little easier to uh, drop those battle lines. It was more later on, like. Bulls Pacers was was not really there weren't a lot of Pacers fans, but later on, actually, when Peyton Manning, of course, um, started balling out for the Colts, a lot more Colts fans started popping up and the Bears were kind of 
you know, the Bears had a couple seasons there with Lovey, but Peyton and the Colts were good for like ever. So that's when it was more kind of divisive in terms of, oh, well, all of a sudden now I'm going to align with Indianapolis instead of Chicago, even though we're much closer to Chicago. So it wasn't so much Bulls Pacers um, that was dividing that up. But then Bears Colts a little bit was where the lines were starting to kind of divide each other. Well, at least the people from Indianapolis and Chicago can agree on Yats. At least we can agree on Yats, the delicious uh, the delicious fast food uh, place that's in downtown Indianapolis. I do want to ask you, I also went to Columbia. Uh, I graduated 06, so I don't know if that's in line. I don't know if we maybe pass each other in the halls, maybe, maybe not. But I do want to ask you, uh, just describe that experience, because I often have a lot of friends in life that either went to bigger colleges and did fraternities and party life and it was very much a different experience when I try and explain to them a little bit of what my college experience was like and was it the same for you where I honestly walked out with more friends from the neighboring schools than maybe I did Columbia I had more friends from Roosevelt DePaul University of Chicago and so on yeah I, I was kind of along the same lines too where I mean I, I made a lot of friends at Columbia for sure and I really enjoyed where the campus was I mean you know how it was kind of like, had it been, like, right there, like, in the center of the loop, that would have been kind of a bit much. But the fact that it was in the south loop, which was, like, way more chilled out, and uh, you, but you still felt like you were downtown. Like, so I loved being on campus, you know, met a lot of people there. But, yeah, I, I made friends with people from colleges all over the city. Like you said, like, DePaul, I had a lot of friends that went to uh, North Park, which was on, like, the northwest side of the city. Right. And I had already known a lot of people before I even started um going to Columbia that, you know, had moved to the city and were already in school there kind of before me to kind of like ease my transition a little bit. So yeah, I mean, it was a really enjoyable experience. Um, I liked the school and it definitely varied a lot from, you know, some of my friends that went to big 10 schools. Like, you know, you go visit uh, your friends in Indiana and Bloomington, or, you know, you go down to Lafayette and you visit your 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 friends at, at Purdue. Did you ever do like uh, do like hot a hot three days at one of those big schools? Oh, just kind of blow it out and then come home. <laughs> so many times, yeah. That was uh, that was what you had to do there for a while, and the vibe was just so different going to. And I don't want to disrespect the you know cities of Bloomington or, or Lafayette, but they're kind of in the middle of nowhere a little bit, and it's just kind of like the campus is the epicenter of the whole community, you know. Whereas in Chicago, it's like there's all these little schools all around and you're just kind of going with the flow of the city more so than the school becoming, you know, everything in the whole identity. So definitely varied. Yeah. From a lot of people, a lot of my buddies that went to uh, Big Ten schools and stuff like that were, you know, kind of like I said, not to be rude, but kind of more in the middle of uh, in the middle of nowhere. Cow towns. Kevin, stop it. The best stray dogs in America. Uh, the best. The sure, best, yeah. That's what I've been dogs told. running around that you possibly can. Well, that's awesome, though. We have uh, a couple of really interesting connectors. We both love Chicago sports. So let's dive into that. It's the holiday season, Kevin. It's a time to be reflective, so I will pose this question to you like this. What New Year's resolution should George McCaskey make heading into 2022? I mean, it's so cliche to say sell the team at this point because that's kind of what we've all wanted them to do forever big one and, and at, at that at this point i'm kind of past the whole sell the team sell the team because put yourself in the shoes of a mccaskey would you sell the bears i mean i wouldn't <laughs> even if i was doing a bad job which you could argue that they haven't done the best job 
Uh, I would not sell the team and I'm not going to advocate for that, but I think a realistic start would be to put an actual football person in charge of football decisions and not a glorified accountant, Ted Phillips, because very clearly that's kind of the, the crux of the issue and what's kind of been the problem with the bears for honestly, as long as I can remember, um, it's just, like I said, they'll kind of have good years kind of here and there, and they'll have a good defense for a couple of years. Like just recently, for instance, I mean, 2018, 2019 was one of the best defenses in the NFL, but the, the, there was no sustained run. You get one playoff appearance and not even a playoff win. You know, you don't even get out of the first round from this great, uh, fantastic defense, obviously, with Gen um, Ryan Pace, he's been around too long, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, certainly the Phil Emery thing, if you want to go back a little bit further, that did not work out well at all. So if you start, not directly at the top, like I said, I'm not saying sell the team, anything like that, but just one notch below and you get an actual football guy or woman to make these decisions, somebody that knows the game, somebody that's been around the game forever, and then you, maybe you start to see a little bit more sustainability, a little bit more you know, just rational decisions, and you start to get a run going. Similarly to, like I brought up earlier with the Colts, and just sustain sustainable success as much as you can in the NFL. It's a little bit tougher because the league is kind of designed to be this league of parity, competitive balance, whatever you want to call it, where within a couple of years, team can go from the bottom of the league to one of the best teams in the league, and that's the way they want it. So it's a little bit harder to sustain success in the NFL, but I think a good start would be replacing Ted Phillips with somebody that knows the game and didn't get the job through loyalty and convenience and things like that. Well, I think you're hitting on something right there. And yeah, it, it's funny in terms of the turnover in the NFL where I think we may already be seeing it with the Kansas City Chiefs, right? Where they have this incredible quarterback, but let's be honest, Travis Kelsey could be maybe on the precipice of the end of his prime is Tyreek Hill going to continue to be a dynamic player and whether they like it or not in the next couple of years they're probably going to have to turn over that offense a little bit and not start over but bring in some new blood and some new, yeah. some new players to be able to make that happen and so what that's a five-year window right there so there is a lot of turnover I was going to ask you and it sounds like you might have already answered the question but do you have any appetite for let's just say they do what you want they do a football operations guy and Ryan Pace somehow still in, is involved in the organization. Would you have an appetite for that? Because here's what I'm sort of saying is we've we've ran down the road on these all these different avenues of what is possibly going on with the Bears. And, and mine is maybe simplistic, simplistic, but it's psychological, where I think McCaskey truly believes he's a fan and he truly wants to feel like he's got his – not true fingerprints, but feel like he's got at least his hand on the wheel of this yeah. football operation – and I think Ryan Pace just answers his calls. I think he texts him back within 10 minutes, right? And I think that's something that McCaskey likes. It sounds like, though, you say Ryan Pace just can't, can't go forward and full clean slate, full clean house. No, I, and I honestly, going into this season, and you know how sometimes fans can be very reactive and call for the heads of the coach, the coordinators, the GM, like a little bit too – a little bit too hastily sometimes. And then I like to think of myself as somebody a little bit more measured in that regard where let's, you know, give these guys a little bit more time. Let's just because they started 
one in four, something like that. You don't need to fire every single person involved with the organization. So coming into this year, even I was of the mind, you know, let's give Matt Nagy one more season. He at at the time, uh, you know, he was over 500 in his career last year. Whether you want to call it a legitimate playoff berth, uh, it still counted. They were in the playoffs, of course, the year they won the division. Uh, so you know, he had made the playoffs a couple times. I thought that you get Trubisky out of the equation because he was never, I was never going to work. You draft Justin Fields. Let's see what Nagy can do a little bit. They had some weapons on the offense, you know, whether it's Allen Robinson, Kometz, uh, Mooney, like some decent players. I thought it was a decent kind of uh, blank palette for Matt Nagy to finally kind of show what his reputation was, where he was supposed to be this innovator, this guru, this blah, 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 whatever you want to call it. Um, but I think at this point, from what you've seen with this team, I think I'm kind of through with Nagy. I've been done with Pace, honestly, because you look at all the bad money, the bad draft picks, uh, horrible free agent acquisitions, just more. Are three quarterbacks right now? <laughs> I mean, look at how much money Nick Foles is making to do what exactly? Like be the, the team pastor and, you know, ask <laughs> everybody about their relationship with God every day. Is that's. You know, more power to him. Everybody, you're never going to hear a bad word about Nick Foles. And, you know, what he did with Philadelphia is absolutely legendary, you know. But at, at this juncture in time, he's just not a realistic starting option for you. So even when that trade was made, that was very much Ryan Pace just kind of grasping at straws, seeing what he could do. You know, you bring in Andy Dalton, who legitimately, again, similarly to Foles, like at this point, not a starter in the NFL. They kind of lucked into the fields thing a, a little bit, um, but probably not ready at this point in time. So the situation that Pace has gotten this team into, and again, with all the bad money and the misses in the draft, I had advocated for a new GM for a while now, but I wasn't on board with getting rid of Nagy until basically what I've seen up to this point in the season. Because even in the NFC right now, which has been a very mediocre conference. I mean, you look at that, you know, when you when you watch the games on the weekend and they show you, you know, who's in the hunt and who's leading the division and the playoff picture and all that. You used to be in that graphic. Oh, we were there. They should be. You know what I mean? Like, you got Philadelphia and Washington in there who are, you know, six and six, six and seven, you know? Like, you have teams that are 500 below 500 that have a shot. And meanwhile, the Bears have been so dismal this year that they're not even in the picture because they're just so just rudderless right now. So I do think that, you know, as much as rebuilding is, is different in every sport, right? Like in baseball, a rebuild will take several years in the NBA. It's a little bit tougher because there's the draft lottery and losing doesn't really guarantee you getting one of those top picks, but in the NFL, again, it's a league that's built on competitive balance and being able to change your fortunes quickly I think a rebuild in the NFL, which is what the Bears are looking at, you know, that, that should only take a couple of years because I think they've got the most important piece already in Justin Fields. And that's putting them already ahead of schedule in terms of what they need to do. And they've got other pieces. Like I mentioned, I like Montgomery. I like Mooney. I think offensively they're set, not set, obviously, but uh, it's a good starting block in terms of rebuilding what they need to do. So you know, you shore up some of the other holes on the uh, offensive line, which honestly hasn't been as bad as I think a lot of people thought it would be this year, but there's still work to be done there. 
you've got to get some of the older guys on the defensive side of the ball and kind of switch them out for younger dynamic players. And it does start with getting a new president of football operations, a new general manager, a new head coach, new voices in the room, new minds, picking players in the draft and giving out free agent money because I think this regime has had too many chances. I mean, look at how, are you really going to give Ryan Pace another head coaching hire after John Fox and after Matt Nagy? I mean, look at Ryan Pace's record as the general manager of the Bears. He's had one winning season as, and he's been in the job since 20, what, 14? Like he's been around forever. And it just, he has shown countless times that he's just not fit to do this job. So I think in terms of a rebuild, it's not as daunting as it would be in, like I said, Major League Baseball or the NBA, because in the NFL, you can you can do it in a couple of years, and they've got some really good building blocks there. You just have to get a different voice in the room, voices, plural, and different people making these decisions, because it shouldn't be as hopeless as some of the other situations that you see in the NFL. I think a lot of bad teams have it worse than the Bears do right now, even though it seems awful at the time and the season has been so uh unfun most of the time <laughs> and then you got you know another packers game coming up this weekend which is great also yeah, rock and roll stick stick the knife in a little deeper please yeah, yeah exactly. that's what happens when you lose six in a row and i completely agree with you where we need to find different and creative and innovative ways to improve the football team other than put it on the credit card which is basically what ryan pace has done and when you say looking into fields the guy had the credit card up first, and it went the, that approved first, right? And now we don't have a first-round pick this year. Totally worth it, in my opinion, but that's part of like what he's been doing, I feel like. Well, that's the, his MO, yeah. It's just yeah. trading draft picks. That's like his number one calling card. That's what he'll be remembered for. And Tight end. Get, we'll, get this, we'll get this tight end. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, of course, tight ends, yes. I'm, we're still all waiting for uh, – who is that? the guy they drafted from, from Ashland University? Shaheen. Yeah, yes, that was a fantastic pick there in the second round. A guy that nobody had ever heard of from a school that nobody had ever heard of. Like, that's what it is. It's just like overthinking, trying to be like the smartest guy in the room. Just like, it shouldn't be that difficult. Take a look around the league. It's it's not that hard. Like, you, you shouldn't try to reinvent the wheel. You know what I mean? And that's what you they play. Uh, do you play fantasy sports? Do you play fantasy football? Anything like that? Yeah, I do. Yeah. When you're in a draft and someone takes someone four rounds before they were supposed to, and they right. walk back, we're all making fun of that person. Exactly. You right. Exactly. I mean? like, and that's what Ryan Pace is. He's that guy in the fantasy football league that is always trying to. Mac Jones, know. second round, <laughs> fantasy draft. <laughs> it's it. just, yeah, I I've been kind of fed up with with Pace for a while, so. Well, let's roll it forward because I think this is also a little space where uh, I think Chicago sports fans love misery. But with that company, I think they also enjoy rumors and hypotheticals and what they want and what they don't want. So in terms of head coaches, I think Matt Nagy's pretty much, if not after the Green Bay game, by end of season will no longer be the coach of the Chicago Bears. Do you have a wish list of some names that are out there already or some names that you're keeping to yourself right now, some head coaches that you'd love to see coach the Bears next year? Well, I think that's kind of the one of the tough things is that in in this scenario, there's not like one you know hot prospect or, or like one guy who's like the next man up. Whereas in in years prior, I, I, let's look at you know the Jets for instance. Like Robert Sala, when he was with San Francisco for years and years, was very well regarded. 
and what he did with that defense over there, you know, in terms of his unquantifiable leadership abilities and, and things like that. Robert Sala was kind of this hot name for years and years. And it was like, when's this guy going to get a head coaching job? And the Jets eventually, you know, snatched him up. And the Jets have been obviously very bad this year. But I think that similarly to the Bears, they've got kind of building blocks there. I, I think Zach Wilson will eventually get through some of these growing pains. And I think Salah is a good head coach. I think he knows how to build a defense. And, and they've had a ton of injuries there with New York as well. So I don't really think that's all down to him. And I don't think that there's really like one candidate like there's not like one offense in the league right now that's like so above and beyond that like oh the offensive coordinator for this team like he's got to be the guy or one fantastic defensive candidate that's this has got to be the guy like there's not really like that one head coaching no-brainer home run that I can really see out there which is why I think it has to go above uh, the general manager even, and you have to go, you know, to a president of football operations or whatever title you want it to be, who has, you know, kind of been surveying the landscape, not only, not only in the NFL with coordinators, but certainly, you know, at, at the collegiate level as well, because I'm sure there's some great head coaches out there and uh, our head coaching candidates that um, could be a fit. I mean, you do see that jump up every now and then as well, a good uh, collegiate coach, which comes up and, and is successful at that next level. So there's not an obvious one that I can really see right now, which is why I think, you know, you need to take it a, another step level in the, the hierarchy at Allen's Hall. And just get Ted Phillips out of there or just, or honestly reassign, yes. reassign. Sure. Ted yeah. Phillips, I mean, you know, right. give him give him a different title and don't let him hire football people. Yeah, like in a uh, casino, he becomes food and beverage engineer. Or <laughs> like, Precisely. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I'm not saying fire the guy, you know, send him out on the street, you know, cut off his, his paycheck. You can pay the guy as long as you want. I don't care about that. God knows the McCassies have all the money in the world. They can pay Ted Phillips till, you know, generations of Phillips yeah. for, for years and years. So I'm not saying that, but give him a different job. Yeah. Put him in charge of concessions or, or something like that. I think he could do well in that regard. Let's take a quick break to talk about our brand new sponsor, Lightbox. I got news for everybody. Say goodbye to dull gifts. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the brightest gift of the year. Listen, cutting-edge technology and innovative techniques, they've cracked the science of sparkle, creating the highest quality lab-grown diamonds you can find at a very light price. Only $800 per carat. They have the same chemical makeup of natural diamonds, but are just grown in a lab. Because of their process, they can create stones and plush pink and beautiful blue, as well as classic white. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the gift they'll never want to take off price so they won't have to they really do make any outfit sparkle so visit lightboxjewelry.com right now to add sparkle to your holiday shopping that's lightboxjewelry.com lightbox diamonds never a dull moment now back to the pod put them in charge of the tiktok account uh one more question sure. on the bears and then we're going to wrap up with a little bulls talk uh because the bulls are back baby but my no, final question yeah. for you on the bears is um you know you got five games left green bay is coming up this weekend I think already as a Bears fan, we're already kind of like maybe curling up into the fetal position just a little bit yeah. about that game. But then after that, there's a four-game stretch against the Vikings, the Giants, the Seahawks, and the Vikings also as well. In your opinion, is there a way not to salvage the season, but I I personally still think that there's a window where Bears fans could maybe exit this season 
on made a bit of a high note or a little bit of momentum, just a tiny little bit. Can you see that too as well? What would you like to see from this Bears team the last five games? Is it wins and losses or is it more just kind of what you see on the field that maybe can help you feel a little bit better heading into the offseason? Well, I'd like to see Fields get healthy and, and get him back in there because, as you mentioned, they don't have a first-round pick this next year, so we can't be in you know tank mode, lose every single game, get a high draft pick because that's off the table right now. And um, I think that that's the most important thing is just seeing more of Justin Fields and getting him more acclimated to the NFL game and taking his lumps and learning because, you know, not – every quarterback or not every rookie quarterback is going to be able to come in and just kind of get it right away. And I mean, you can look at any of these rookie quarterbacks from this season from Trevor Lawrence to Zach Wilson to Trey Lance and even Mac Jones. I mean, the reason that Mac Jones is going to win rookie of the year and he looks very good is because he got drafted to a fantastic situation. I mean, Bill Belichick is a genius. And even when he's throwing the ball only three times a game, uh, you know, it's working out for the Patriots because they've got a great team in terms of that offensive line and the running game and a good defense. So Mac Jones looks like he's ahead of the pack right now. But if you put Mac Jones on the Bears or the Jets or the Jags, I'm sure he'd look terrible as well. So, you know, assessing a rookie quarterback so myopically on what they're doing just individually, I think, is unfair, which is why. Even if Fields comes back and he's throwing picks and he's turning the ball over and he's looking bad and, and you know, that's that could be fine. You know what I mean? It's like getting it out of your system. Look at Josh Allen, for instance, with Buffalo. He was god-awful when he first came into the league. And last year he was a runner-up for the MVP award. So not you're not always stunting a quarterback's growth if they come in and they're struggling. Sometimes they have to learn how to take those hits and adjust to that and just kind of get better and, and embrace those growing pains. And I, I think that's definitely the number one most important thing is just seeing Justin Field and getting him more experience at this level. And you've got some winnable games too. Like you said, like it doesn't matter about your win-loss record really because they don't have a first-round pick. So, you know, you can beat the Giants. You can probably get at least a game from Minnesota. I mean, hell, the Lions can beat the Vikings. I think probably anybody can, right? So – You've got winnable games on that schedule and teams that I think Fields can get that good experience out of and maybe, you know, get a little, not only just taking his lumps and adjusting to the speed of the game and everything else, but, you know, maybe winning a couple of them along the way as well and kind of gaining that confidence too. And for my peace of mind, I, I think, and for Bears as well, I think firing Matt Nagy after Green Bay is the move. Because then it opens up that four-game window right there that we're talking about where you could have a world where Justin Fields goes 2-2 two and two, or, dare I say, like maybe a 3-1 and one mm-hmm. without Nagy into the offseason. And we've been t- – you know, we're, we're so – it's been such a downtrodden year filled with a six-game losing streak and Khalil Mack foot surgery. But somehow, some way, we could actually walk into the offseason feeling good. It's possible. There's a window for that. Definitely. Um, I, you know, and I the only thing that I have doubt is – doubt of in regard to that is just that historically they've never fired a coach in the middle of a season. And as bad as this season has been, there have been many worse seasons when you're talking about uh, your John Foxes and your Trestmans and your Dick Jerons. I mean, you can go back as far as you want really. Yeah. And there's been some horrendous seasons and some bad head coaches and they've never done it in the middle of the season. I just think that's something they kind of weirdly pride themselves on 
So I don't think you're going to see that, but I, I, I kind of agree with you in a way, like I said, I, I don't really like to get on the rooftop and call for people's jobs that often, but I think that we've, we've kind of seen enough of this. And even if it is Chris Tabor or Bill Lazor, whomever takes over that interim job for the rest of the season, it's just a different voice and a little bit of a different glimpse of, um, you know, uh, of a leader and play calling and game planning and scheming. So I, I kind of agree with you. I think it would be better just to get a little bit of a, like I said, just kind of a taste of something else, but it's an uh, no, I don't see that happening. No, yeah, I'm with you. And, you know, we have to give respect to Wanstead. All the pieces were in place. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't on him. It was, was not on him at all. I blame Brian Cox or whatever. Um, yeah. So yeah, let's move over to the Bulls because uh, we'll end the one the pot on the high. Better. And nice better news. Here. Um, you know, let's just start with the easy one. You know, I, I think we all had some expectations on paper about this team, and we were really excited about Bulls basketball. And frankly, starting last year, it was about the time to start getting excited for Bulls basketball again. You know, what has surprised you? What one thing about this Bulls team has surprised you the most so far, who is now, I think, 17-8 and eight and fighting for that one seed in the East? Yeah, right up there with uh, with Brooklyn right now in the Eastern Conference, and those two teams are, are far and away above everyone else. And, and it's two teams that have been constructed in – totally different ways you know what i mean one team is is remember that brooklyn still technically has kyrie irving but of course you know kyrie and kevin durant then trading for james harden and kind of putting all the chips in the table with these three hall of fame caliber players whereas the bulls you know they traded for levine a few years back it seems like it was longer ago and it seems like levine has been here forever now you know he's kind of become that the old guy. face of the franchise type guy yeah the old guard exactly he was still here in the dark days of, of foreman and uh john paxson but i think that going kind of similarly to what we were talking about with ryan pace and just getting a different style of team building and a different view of the way the league is and i think the most surprising thing to me has, has not been the acquisition because I, I've been wanting them to try to get Lonzo Ball for a long time. I think he's really well-rounded, just kind of do, does a little bit of everything type guy, and, and he's done that so far this year. And in addition to doing a little bit of everything, he's also added a, a fantastic three-point shot, which is something that he's really been working hard at. You look, remember how ugly his shot was at UCLA or his first couple of years in the league. And he looks like a different guy. Alex Caruso, who was kind of like a meme player for a while. You know, he was just kind of like, oh, look at this white guy with a headband that can jump really high. He's a tall but, tale, right? Like a Los exactly. Angeles tall tale of a fan favorite. And you're like, I don't get yeah. it, but man. No, but he's legitimately one of the best defenders in the league. You know, a guy who is a great piece to have on your bench. DeRozan, of course, who everybody just kind of forgot about after he got traded from Toronto to San Antonio because – one, it looked bad for DeRozan because they essentially traded him for Kawhi Leonard and then they instantly won a title. And it was like, oh, DeRozan's the problem, <laughs> you know, and everybody kind of looked at him that way. And that was kind of tough. And then he's playing in, you know, Siberia in uh, for two seasons with the Spurs where nobody's paying attention. They're not a good team. So I think people didn't really like that move. And I was kind of on the fence about it, but I mean, I mean obviously it's turned out great. And then you look at the depth that they have on their bench. And I think that the way they're playing now with so many guys in the COVID protocol and guys that have missed time, including DeRozan right now, who's, you know, going to miss some time as well, miss uh, the game against Denver, which was a great win. 
but the depth that they have in terms of, you know, not only Io DeSumo, but, you know, Caruso, as we mentioned, uh, Kobe White, who's got, you know, he missed some time early on and he's kind of still finding his feet, but that's a good offensive piece to have on your bench. Um, you know, I love Derek Jones Jr. He, he's a super uh, exciting athletic guy to have to be able to bring off your bench. So I think that what Arturis Konarnashovis and, and Mark Eversley have done, that, like I mentioned, uh, the bench and the supporting cast between the, the Paxson Foreman era, um, when it was guys like Sadoransky and Marketin, Denzel Valentine, you know, Ryan no. Archidiakono. Yeah, like, yeah, Nico. Like, that never really, none of those guys really were impactful for long periods of time. Whereas now you've got so much depth when, you know, I, I mentioned guys like Desumu and, and Derek Jones Jr., but I mean, you know, Troy Brown, you know, Matt Thomas, like guys that like a lot of people hadn't even heard of who are, giving you viable minutes at a time where, you know, you've got so many guys out. I think that's such an underrated thing in the NBA because 82 games, man, it's a slog. You know, you're going to miss guys uh, from time to time, especially now with uh, COVID still very much an issue and those protocols in place, you need a deep bench. You need guys who can give you solid minutes and contribute around, you know, Vucevic and uh, Levine. And of course, DeRozan. So I think that's kind of been the thing that I've been most impressed by is the, the depth they've been able to build. Final question for you, Kevin, here on Bet on Chicago. You're kind of leading into it a little bit. 25 games in, but let's get you on the record right now. As it stands today, are the Chicago Bulls a contender or you just want to enjoy the ride for a little while? For about a quarter into the season, you know, a lot of people don't pay much attention to the NBA until around Christmas time, New Year's, maybe a little bit after football season. And so I, I think maybe ask me again in February, because right now I'm enjoying the ride. And listen, they're definitely, they're one of the best, I mean, they're one of the best, one of the best two teams right now in the East. Um, and I think that definitely at the end of the season they'll be in the top four at least in the eastern conference but um i will hold off on calling them a a legitimate contender right now because i still think that you know you can never count out your brooklyn's and your milwaukee's and even miami and i mean even right now philadelphia who is down there i think they're seventh or eighth in the east right now like if the bulls were the two seed in the playoffs and philly was the seventh seed I don't, I think that's a bad matchup for the Bulls because one thing that they're not, maybe their one weakness right now is kind of their interior defense. And they've already lost to Philly twice already this year. And Embiid has just eaten them up. And I think that would be a terrible matchup. So it is all about who you play and when you play them and how healthy everybody is. So I'm a little reticent right now to say they're a contender to win the East, but I very much am enjoying the ride after just seemingly being in the dark ages since Derrick Rose blew out his ACL on April 28th, 2012, because that was kind of the last time they were relevant. Man, that you got that date burned into your mind. My birthday. Oh, is it? No, no. It, it ruined my birthday that year. Came the candles. You're about to blow it out and then whistle in the back. Derrick yeah. Rose is down. Wait, what's going Why is everyone leaving my birthday cake? No one's yeah. It, it was, it, it went from fun drinking to sad drinking, like, just like that, so. 
I was working at a restaurant at the time and I wasn't able to watch the game. I had one eyeball on it. And my head chef uh, out here in California, in Santa Monica, was from Chicago and he came over. He just looked at me and he went, Derek Rose, man. I'm like, what is it? And he goes, a knee. And I'll never forget, like, wow. that knee turned into the next six years of our, our basketball lives. And you're bringing up a great point about the 76ers, especially with size. We'll see what they do with the deadline. Keep in mind, Bulls fans, we haven't even played the Bucks yet. Another right. size defending champions too as well. Also just happened to be in the East. So I think a lot of hurdles to clear and I think a lot of boxes still to check for the Chicago Bulls. But man, it's a really fun ride right now. I mean, stack up the wins while you can get them. Uh, Kevin Zipak, thank you so much for coming on the pod, man. It was really great to meet you. Uh, you know, we got connected through Fred Davis, who I always yeah. on his program. He's the best. Yeah. Uh, I love I love talking with him and chopping it up. Uh, please do us a favor. Let all the listeners know how to follow you either on socials, Twitter, and also to be able to check out your show uh, on uh, SportsMap Radio. Twitter at Kevbo underscore. And you can hear my show every weeknight from 5 to 7 p.m. Central Time on sportsmapradio.com or on the SportsMap Radio app. That's about it. Kevin, man, thank you so much for coming on. And maybe we'll have you on soon again. We'll check back in on that Bulls prediction maybe sometime in February. Time. Glad to do it. Appreciate you. Thank you so much. Today's episode of Bet on Chicago with Joey Christopoulos was presented by BetOnline.ag. 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use promo code BELIEVE50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0. Also, LightboxJewelry.com, great new sponsor right now on Bet on Chicago and also my other program, Believe in Bears. So make sure you check out that, especially during the holiday time. Thank you so much for checking out this pod. Be well, be safe. Please be good to each other. And remember, when in doubt, always Bet on Chicago. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.